section twenty one of little journeys to the homes of american statesmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b little journeys to the homes of american statesmen by albert hubbard john jay part two by seventeen hundred eighty one england had begun to see that to compel the absolute submission of the colonies was more of a job than she had anticipated news of victories was duly sent to the mother country at regular intervals but with these glad tidings were requests for more troops and requisitions for ships and arms the american army was a very hard thing to find it would fight one day to retreat the next and had a way of making midnight attacks and flank movements that to say the least were very confusing then it would separate to come together lord knows where this made lord cornwallis once write to the home secretary i could easily defeat the enemy if i could find him and engage him in a fair fight he seemed to think that it was no fair forgetting the old proverb which has something to say about love and war finally cornwallis got the thing his soul desired a fair fight he was then acting on the defensive the fight was short and sharp and colonel alexander hamilton who led the charge in ten minutes planted the stars and stripes on his ramparts that night cornwallis was the guest of washington and the next day a dinner was given in his honor he was then obliged to write to the home secretary we have met the enemy and we are theirs but of course he did not express it just exactly that way then it was that king george for the first time showed a disposition to negotiate for peace as peace commissioners america named franklin john adams lorenz jay and jefferson jefferson refused to leave his wife who was in delicate health adams was at the hague just closing up a very necessary loan lorenz had been sent to holland on a diplomatic mission and his ship having been overhauled by a british man-of-war he was safely in that historic spot the tower of london so jay and franklin alone met the english commissioners and jay stated to them the conditions of peace in a few weeks adams arrived still keeping a diary in that diary is found this item the french call me le washington de la négociation a very flattering compliment indeed to which i have no right but sincerely think it belongs to mr jay jay quitted paris in may seventeen hundred eighty four having been gone from his native land eight years when he reached new york there was a great demonstration in his honor triumphal arches were erected across broadway houses and stores were decorated with bunting cannons boomed and bells rang the freedom of the city was presented to him in a gold box with an exceedingly complimentary address engrossed on parchment and signed by one hundred of the leading citizens jay spent just one day in new york and then rode on horseback up to the old farm at rye westchester county to see his father that evening there was a service of thanksgiving at the village church after which the citizens repaired to the jay mansion one story high and eighty feet long where a barrel of cider was tapped and a gross of churchwardens passed around with free tobacco for all john jay stood on the front porch and made a modest speech just five minutes long among other things saying he had come home to be a neighbor to them 
having quit public life for good but he refused to talk about his own experiences in europe his reticence however was made up for by good old peter jay who assured the people that john jay was america's foremost citizen and in this statement he was backed up by the village preacher with not a dissenting voice from the assembled citizens it is rather curious or it isn't i'm not sure which how most statesmen have quit public life several times during their careers like the prima donnas who make farewell tours the ingratitude of republics is proverbial but to limit ingratitude to republics shows a lack of experience the progeny of the men who tired of hearing aristides called the just was very numerous the progeny of the men who tired of hearing aristides called the just are very numerous of course it is easy to say that he who expects gratitude does not deserve it but the fact remains that the men who know it are yet stung by calumny when it comes their way that fine demonstration in jay's honor was in great part to overwhelm and stamp out the undertone of growl and snarl that filled the air many said that peace had been gained at awful cost that jay had deferred to royalty and trifled with the wishes of the people in making terms and now jay had got home back to his family and farm back to quiet and rest the long hard fight had been won and america was free for eight years had he toiled and striven and planned much had been accomplished not all he hoped but much he had done his best for his country his own affairs were in bad shape congress had paid him meagerly and now he would turn public life over to others and live his own life all through life men reach these places where they say here we will build three tabernacles but out of the silence comes the imperative voice arise and get thee hence for this is not thy rest and now the war was over peace was concluded but war leaves a country in chaos the long slow work of reconstruction and of binding up a nation's wounds must follow america was independent but she had yet to win from the civilized world the recognition that she must have in order to endure jay was importuned by washington to take the position of secretary of foreign affairs one of the most important offices to be filled he accepted and discharged the exacting duties of the place for five years then came the adoption of the federal constitution and the election of washington as president of the united states washington wrote to jay there must be a court perpetual and supreme to which all questions of internal dispute between states or people be referred this court must be greater than the executive greater than any individual state separated and apart from any political party you must be the first official head of the executive and jay as every schoolboy knows was the first chief justice of the supreme court of the united states by his sagacity his dignity his knowledge of men and love of order and uprightness he gave it that high place which it yet holds and which it must hold for when the decisions of the supreme court are questioned by a state or people the fabric of our government is but a spider's web through which anarchy and unreason will stalk in seventeen hundred ninety four came serious complications with great britain growing out of the construction of terms of peace made in paris eleven years before some one must go to great britain and make a new treaty in order to preserve our honor and save us from another war 
franklin was dead adams as vice-president could not be spared hamilton's fiery temper was dangerous no one could accomplish the delicate mission so well as jay jay self-centered and calm said little but in compliance with washington's wish resigned his office and set sail with full powers to use his own judgment in everything and the assurance that any treaty he made would be ratified arriving in england he at once opened negotiations with lord grenville and in five months the new treaty was signed it provided for the payment to american citizens for losses of private shipping during the war and over ten million dollars were paid to citizens of the united states under this agreement it fixed the boundary line between the state of maine and canada provided for the surrender of british posts in the far west that neither nation was to allow enlistments within its territory by a third nation at war with another arranged for the surrender of fugitives charged with murder or forgery and made definite terms as to various minor but none the less important questions a storm of opposition greeted the treaty when its terms were made known in america jay was accused of bartering away the rights of america and indignation meetings were held because jay had not insisted on apologies and set sums of indemnity on this that and the other nevertheless washington ratified the treaty and when jay arrived in america there was a greeting fully as cordial and generous as that on the occasion of his other homecoming in fact while he was absent his friends had put him in nomination as governor of new york his election to that office occurred just two days before he arrived and when he landed his senses were mystified by hearing loud hurrahs for governor jay when his term of office expired he was re-elected so he served as governor in all six years the most important measure carried out during that time was the abolition of slavery in the state of new york an act he had strenuously insisted on for twenty years but which was not made possible until he had the power of governor and crowded the measure upon the legislature over a quarter of a century had passed since john adams and john jay had met on horseback out there on the new jersey turnpike their intimacy had been continuous and their labors as important as ever engrossed the minds of men but in it all there was neither jealousy nor bickering they were friends at the close of jay's gubernatorial term president adams nominated him for the office of chief justice made vacant by the resignation of oliver ellsworth the senate unanimously confirmed the nomination but jay refused to accept the place for twenty-eight years he had served his country served it in its most trying hours he was not an old man in years but the severity and anxiety of his labors had told on his health and the elasticity of youth had gone from his brain for ever he knew this and feared the danger of continued exertion my best work is done he said if i continue i may undo the good i have accomplished i have earned a rest he retired to the ancestral farm at bedford westchester county to enjoy his vacation in a year his wife died and the shock told on his already shattered nerves the habit of reticence grew upon him says one writer until he could not be tricked into giving an opinion even about the weather and so he lived out his days as a partial recluse deep in problems of raising watermelons and sheep that would not jump fences he worked with his hands wore blue jeans voted at every town election but to a great degree lived only in the past the problems of church and village politics 
and farm life filled his declining days to a great degree his physical health came back but the problems of statecraft he left to other heads and hands his religious nature manifested itself in various philanthropic schemes and the bible society he founded endures even unto this day these things afforded a healthful exercise for that tireless brain which refused to run down his daughters made his home ideal their love and gentleness soothing his declining years death to him was kindly gathering him as autumn the messenger of winter reaps the leaves no one has ever made the claim that jay possessed genius he had something which is better though for most of the affairs of life and that is common sense in his intellect there was not the flash of hamilton nor the creative quality possessed by jefferson nor the large all-roundness of franklin he was the average man who is trained and educated and made the best use of every facility and every opportunity he was genuine he was honest and if he never surprised his friends by his brilliancy he surely never disappointed them through duplicity he made no promises that he could not keep he held out no vain hopes as a diplomat he seems nearly the ideal we have been taught that the line of demarcation between diplomacy and untruth is very shadowy but truth is very good policy and in the main answers the purpose much better than the other thing i am quite unwilling to leave the matter to those who have tried both we cannot say that jay was magnetic for magnetic men win the rabble but jay did better he won the confidence and admiration of the strong and discerning his manner was gentle and pleasing his words few and as a listener he set a pace that all novitiates in the school of diplomacy would do well to follow to talk well is a talent but to listen is a fine art if i really wished to win the love of a man i'd practice the art of listening even dull people often talk well when there is someone near who cultivates the receptive mood and to please a man you must give him an opportunity to be both wise and witty men are pleased with their friends when they are pleased with themselves and no man is ever so pleased with himself as when he has expressed himself well the sympathetic listener at a lecture or sermon is the only one who gets his money's worth if you would get good lend your sympathy to a speaker and if accidentally you imbibe heresy you can easily throw it overboard when you get home john jay was quiet and undemonstrative in speech cultivating a fine reserve in debate he never fired all his guns and his best battles were won with the powder that was never exploded you had always better keep a small balance to your credit he once advised a young attorney when the first congress met jay was not in favor of complete independence from england he asked only for simple justice and said the middle course is best he listened to john adams and patrick henry and quietly discussed the matter with samuel adams but it was some time before he saw that the density of king george was hopeless and that the work of complete separation was being forced upon the colonies by the blindness and stupidity of the british parliament he then accepted the issue during those first days of the revolution new york did not stand firm as did boston for the cause of independence the foes at home are the only ones i really fear once wrote hamilton first to pacify and placate then to win and hold those worse than neutrals was the work of john jay while washington was in the field jay with tireless pen upheld the cause and by his speech and presence 
kept anarchy at bay as president of the committee of safety he showed he could do something more than talk and write when tories refused to take the oath of allegiance he quietly wrote the order to imprison or banish and with friend foe or kinsman there was neither dalliance nor turning aside his heart was in the cause his property his life the time for argument had passed in the gloom that followed the defeat of washington at brooklyn jay issued an address to the people that is a classic in its fine stern spirit of hope and strength congress had the address reprinted and sent broadcast and also translated and printed in german his work divides itself by a strange coincidence into three equal parts twenty-eight years were passed in youth and education twenty-eight years in continuous public work and twenty-eight years in retirement and rest as one of that immortal ten mentioned by a great english statesman who gave order dignity stability and direction to the cause of american independence the name of john jay is secure End of section 21